Brothers and sisters, one of the most common reactions to tragedy is to wonder why God allowed such a tragedy to happen. And I think back to September 11, 2001, when we as a nation were wondering how God could allow this to happen. Think of my friends in Kalamazoo who are struggling to find an explanation for the shootings that took place last week. The same type of questioning isn't unique to our time. It was going on in Jesus' time as well. The Israelites had experienced not one but two great tragedies. The Tower of Siloam had fallen, claiming the lives of 18 people. Even worse was the massacre initiated by Pontius Pilate, for he not only slaughtered Jews, but he desecrated them in the process. In both cases, the Jewish people were left wondering why God allowed such tragedies to occur. An initial thought was that those who died must have been grave sinners. Indeed, this same line of thinking is not uncommon today. Again, go back to those September 11th terrorist attacks. I recall people claiming that God was enacting vengeance upon the United States for its numerous sins. In the gospel today, Jesus is quick to denounce this attitude. But notice that while he rejects the notion that the violence suffered by the Jews is a result of God's vengeance, he doesn't reject the notion that it involves sin. He rhetorically asks, do you think that they were greater sinners than all of the Galileans? See, by rejecting the notions that those who perished were greater sinners than everyone else, Jesus points us to a different and perhaps even a more frightening reality. We're all sinners. He doesn't reject that sin is responsible for this great destruction of life. Rather, he points out that these tragedies come not as a result of God's punishment, but rather as a consequence of our own sinfulness. The blame, in other words, lies not with God, but with us. Hence, he warns us, if you do not repent, you will perish as they did. We'll perish not necessarily because God will enact his wrath upon us. Rather, we'll perish because as we continue to give in to sin, we continue to chip away at our own dignity. And in doing so, we begin to chip away at our very existence. And so we too will perish. What Jesus is trying to emphasize is that God is not a revenge-seeking God who seeks to destroy sinners. Rather, it's human beings who destroy themselves through their own sin. Think of it this way. We human beings are made in the image and likeness of God. And being made in God's image and likeness, it's the source of our dignity. Which means that when we abandon this defining characteristic, when we attack our own dignity through sin, we end up undermining who we are as individuals. We undermine our own dignity. And as such, we begin to perish. We perish because we cease to be our authentic selves. 
You see, sin creates a divide within the heart of every human being. It denies the very reality of our existence. It denies that we are made in God's image and likeness. As people who live in a fallen world, we're all subject to this on some level. That is to say, every one of us has sinned, which means that every one of us has in some way denied the truth of who we are. We've denied that we are made in God's image and likeness, and we've attacked that dignity. You know, some of us have done this in small ways, perhaps, through telling so-called white lies, or by disobeying our father and mother, or by gossiping about others. Some of us have done this in more severe ways, such as through acts of impurity, or by treating others as objects for our own entertainment, or by neglecting to worship God and form a personal relationship with him, or by denying God, or by taking the life of another. In each of these cases, the point is the same. We need to repent from our sin. Now, here's the good news. We can, in fact, be saved. We can repent from our sin, and in doing so, we can bear good fruit. It doesn't matter that, like that fig tree, for three years, the, gardener, or the owner has been coming by and finding us barren. Because what matters is that we have an advocate, the gardener. The gardener tells us that he is willing to till the soil in order to help us bear fruit. In other words, we're not dead yet. And that means that we have time to turn away from evil, to repent so that we can restore our dignity and enter into a deeply personal and profound relationship with God. One that will bear fruit not only in this world, but in the life to come. This is the whole point, by the way, of this jubilee year of mercy that Pope Francis has declared. We've got the banner over there. This jubilee year of mercy is meant to emphasize God's mercy towards us. Notice, it's not a year of penance. It's not a year of punishment. It's a year of mercy. It's a time when we focus on the fact that God has called us to convert our lives. It's a time for us to focus on the fact that he's calling each one of us into a deep and personal relationship with him. And while we're all unworthy of that call, God doesn't care. You see, far from being ready to chop us down, he's giving us more time. And not only that, but during this time, this year of jubilee, he's going about the work of cultivating the soil so that as we repent from our sins, we can take in the nutrients that he freely offers to us. During this year of mercy, there's numerous nutrients that God offers us. And we call these nutrients grace, gifts that God freely gives to us. These graces come in many forms. You know, indulgences are one form. The opportunity to be forgiven and reconciled to God through the sacrament of penance is another. The there's also opportunities to do pilgrimages and to obtain graces through those as well. The ultimate point of all these graces is that they allow us to convert our lives. These graces are meant to help us so that we can form a personal relationship with God. 
that instead of giving in to sinful habits, we can form new habits, new ways of acting that unite us more closely with God. And as we become more closely united with God, what we find is that we don't perish, but instead we become more fully alive. You know, St. Irenaeus has a famous quote where he says, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. And the reason for that makes perfect sense when we think about it, because God himself is the author of life. He's the source of all life. So as we conform ourselves more and more to the life of God, it only makes sense that we experience life more and more fully. On the converse, when we sin and separate ourselves from God, we find the opposite happening. We find we're pushing ourselves away from the source of life. And as a result, as Jesus says in the gospel, we begin to perish. Friends, the owner of the fig tree wants us to bear good fruit. And he's given the gardener time to cultivate the soil. But that time is limited. And we too have a limited amount of time during this year of mercy. God is cultivating the soil around us. He's continually offering graces to us. But it's up to us to take in those graces. If we fail to do this, if we fail to repent from our sins, we will, as Jesus warns us, perish. After all, Jesus isn't a liar. But if we take in the nutrients that God has put into the soil, if we absorb those graces that he offers us, especially those graces given to us during this year of mercy, well then, we'll find ourselves closer to the source of life. And we'll become more fully alive. And we will bear good fruit. Brothers and sisters, peace to you and to all who repent from their sins and bear good fruit.